looking at this, you know, discipling for development, and in the whole area of you know, preparing people, giving them the skill, skills to enter into a community and to look at a community with the eyes of God, and to look at a community, really preparing them holistically, and not only going there. Uh, so my interest in the, with their soul, but to reach the whole person. I believe that is what is needed, what we need in this 21st century in Africa. Wow. Good morning. I'm still beating my Bible from that song. I want to do that one more time. My name is Joanne Thompson, and last January, I had the opportunity to step on the red soil of Africa for the very first time. Amazing experience. But today I get to invite all of us to listen in to some people who have poured their lives into Africa and whose uh, the love of Jesus flows through everything they do. And so um, welcome. Let's welcome our friends today. Thanks. First is Gary and Mary Lee Hip, and then David Kodorbu. And uh, we're going to hear from each one of them, and we're going to begin um, with Gary. Um, I am going to highlight, um, you have your sheet here, and it gives you some more info on them, because we just want to dive into their stories, their life stories, because that's uh, why we've gathered here at this time. So I'm going to start with Gary. Gary, we've known you and Mary Lee for 21 years now. Amazing. And then every time we're around you, we, we sense your passion and broken heart for the poor. So I want you to tell me a little bit about that. I mean, what motivates you to do that? What would motivate a, um, a physician who could practice in a comfortable America to go to another part of the world? Well, thanks, Joanne. I, I think I'll look at them rather than you. <laughs> <laughs> Although you're nice to look at too, so. <laughs> uh, well, it's always a privilege to be back here our, uh, with our roots going back, actually, even before Berean became a church. It's just great to be here. Um, the journey that God led uh, me on and then Marilee and I on uh, started way back uh, when I was five years old. I came to Christ. Um, and I looked at that group that stood up there, so I'm zeroing in on you that were carrying the signs because uh, I came to Christ when I was five, and I was called to the mission field when I was eight. So some of you are already older than I was when God said, I want you in cross-cultural missions. So pay close attention today. I think one of the primary characteristics of a disciple of Jesus is obedience because he doesn't give us the whole picture but when he does say something, we need to say, okay, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. And so it started back there. And uh, then uh, as we went through uh, short-term mission trips uh, in high school, in college, in medical school, I, I started to see what I saw as a problem. I remember one time in Mexico, we were trying to share the gospel with a guy, and he had macheted himself a couple days earlier. So his thumb was just all pussy and he he was in so much pain he couldn't hear a word that we were saying and that really was the focal point in my life where I said okay I need to deal with the whole person we need to remove these barriers that are keeping people from hearing uh, about the God uh, of the universe and so 
that was kind of uh, one of the shifts for me from, okay, the, we need to share the gospel, but we need to do it to the whole person. Uh, then uh, I started to study as I headed towards missions, well, where, where are the people that need to be reached? And uh, as, as I studied it, I saw that the unreached uh, were largely concentrated where Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists were, and the unreached were poor, and the poor were unreached. It was almost the same population, and uh, it's now known as the 1040 window, but that really solidified for me, um, I need to work with the poor. And at the same time, God was uh, moving in my heart. Uh, uh, the, the essence of Isaiah 58 and of Jesus's words in, uh, in Matthew 25, where uh, in Isaiah 58, we have a religious population, the, uh, the nation of Israel, and they were doing all the right religious things by the law, but God said, that's not getting at it. You're not really doing it with my heart. And uh, he pointed out the need to, to really address the poor in our world, the vulnerable, the homeless, the hungry. Uh, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 25 when he said, really, you can tell who a true disciple of mine is by their behavior with these groups of people. And so that solidified for me uh, that I needed to deal with the whole person. Um, and it also helped me put together when Jesus was asked, well, what's the great commandment? He said, well, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And these two things basically summarize the whole law. And in a couple different places, Paul actually wrote, the whole law can be summarized in this, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's a pretty important thing to God. And, and when we see who our neighbor is, in this world, our neighbor is, we can, we can reach any part of the world. So uh, as, as I headed down that path, uh, I, I found myself uh, in 1994 uh, on a personal retreat in Kenya. Uh, Marilee and I and the kids were living out there at that time. And I woke up that morning and was listening to these pastors talk about this genocide that was going on next day. I was in Kenya and right next door uh, to Kenya and Rwanda, a genocide was going on. And 85% of that country was Christian. And you go, how can pastors pick up machetes or allow their churches to be used as an inferno to kill people? How can that happen in a country that's 85% Christian? A few years later, uh, I met a man uh, who's Rwandan. His, he lost family members uh, during that time. He's doing a reconciliation and leadership ministry. And Celestin, I asked Celestin, you know, you came to Christ. You were discipled there. What how could this happen? And he said, well, you know, we were discipled, but we were only discipled spiritually and in a very narrow way. What's our relationship with Jesus? How do we relate to him? But we were never taught how do we deal with daily life, including the ethnic hostilities between us. And uh, so at that point, uh, God really said to me, um, discipleship is critical, but the right kind of discipleship is even more critical. And it needs to reach into every part of life. So out of that has come the culmination of what we call discipling for development. Uh, and discipling for us is very simply um, apprenticing someone in, in an area that they need to grow in and doing it in a deep relational way, not just flying in and, and, uh, and training, but doing it in a deep relational way. And uh, development for us is a little different from what you may hear uh, out in the world. Uh, 
development for us is summarized in Ephesians 2.10, which says uh, you are God's workmanship. So he's working on all of us, and you are created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. So God had a plan before the world was created of what he wanted us to become, what he wanted us to do as, as individuals and as communities. And uh, so I, I kind of visualize it like, well, here's Gary, and, uh, and I see another Gary out there, so I'll pick on him. Here's Gary, and he has a story, and this other Gary also has a story, and God has a story. And for a period of time, the three of us are going to journey along together, and eventually I'm going to step out of the scene. Uh, but at the end of it, we hope that it's going to be God's story about Gary, or if it's a community, God's story about Muyembe. And so for, that, for us, that's what Discipling for Development is all about. It's discipling, apprenticing in every area of life. It's relational, uh, and it is helping people and communities become what God intended before the creation of the world. Thank you, Gary. You know, this is my privilege to hear it the third time. And God keeps blowing dust off this word discipleship for me. And I, I know he's doing that for you, too. We're going to talk to, um, have Mary Lee tell us a little bit now. Um, you know, you have a Master's of Divinity from Bethel Seminary. You're a teacher. You're born to teach. But what really, what, if someone pricks you, you believe this passion for relational discipleship. Talk more about to, with us about what that is and what it's based on. Sure. Well, currently I'm called an international mentor. That means I have the privilege of raising up leaders in 11 countries in Africa. And some of my dearest friends are just sitting right here. David and his wife Jane Kordorowu um, is a leader that I've been privileged to know and blend my life with for the past 10 years. And um, when I came to know David and Jane, they were kind of at a crossroads in their life. Lord, how do you want us to minister? Do we minister to the poor? Do we plant churches? And after sharing with them whole life discipleship, and they started getting, seeing God's heart for the whole person, God's heart for the whole community, and it was like they were set free to walk out of those good works that God prepared in advance for them to do in a ministry style that was suited just for them. And I got to be a part of that. So through that relational discipleship, um, it's just been a joy. Um, my journey also has, has walked along these past 20 years, and I think what has impressed me more and more is the vastness of God's redemptive plan in Christ. And we start back in Genesis 3, where man sinned, and th thus, thus the fall. But the sin affected the whole universe holistically. We were broken in our relationship between man and God, between man and other people, between man and himself, in the self-image that uh, created in God's image to live for his glory that was broken, and in God giving man the, the right to rule and reign and use and steward the resources he was given him was also distorted. And so we see that God's plan right from the beginning was to say, I'm going to be sending a Savior, and he will restore all of this back to God. He started with a family, of course, of Abraham, 
the progenitor of the Messiah. And then Moses came forth and started establishing a nation of God's people. And I'm fascinated to look at the books of Exodus through Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Most of us don't read those, but wow, when you look at how Moses discipled a whole nation for God's people, he had laws of the covenant that affected every area of life. Um, people's diet, people's health, um, civil law, leadership, uh, sexual morality, how to worship God, how to be cleansed from sin, um, how to care for the poor and the widow and the orphan and the immigrant. All of these were concerns of God's heart. And why? Because he wanted Israel to be a showpiece nation to the ends of the earth and right there for all the people watching, a holy jealousy to say, wow, what kind of God is this? What kind of righteous living is this? And to want to also come and follow God. And then we fast forward to um, God sending his son Jesus as the Redeemer come in the flesh. And we, I'm fascinated by Luke 4 when Jesus stands up in his hometown of Nazareth and really gives his mission statement in Luke 4 and says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty for captives, sight for the blind, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then to see Jesus ministering out of that mission statement, whether he's healing the sick, preaching the good news of the kingdom, um, driving out demons, feeding the hungry. Uh, he's doing it as a seamless whole for, for the glory of his Father. And when he came to that final point where he laid down his life and died that death on the cross and was resurrected from the dead, his purpose was to, is restoring and redeeming all that sin and Satan broke back to the Father. What a Savior. What a Savior, Amen. indeed. Yes. It, make, it just makes me think of those words of Jesus when he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Um, you know, I love seeing your enthusiasm, you know, your for discipleship combined with the Word of God. But, you know, I think maybe sometimes we get a little confused because traditionally we've tended to think of the either-or framework. It's either discipleship or development. So you've, you've talked about this. Um, talk about how you blend this together sure. in some of your own personal stories. Sure, and, and maybe that's the best way just to give you a couple examples from um, some of these great places in Africa, these 11 countries that we get to work in. I want to tell you about um, a poor pastor farmer named Ujidiwabo from Rwanda. And um, he was so poor, and he had a church that he pastored, he, but he lived under a tarp. He saw himself as worthless, just a peasant farmer. Um, he would constantly be begging money from the friends missionaries who were discipling him. They needed school fees, needed clothing. Well, we started mentoring them and discipling for development, and they began mentoring Ujidiwabo. Um, they first brought him into the scriptures, and he saw from Genesis 2, wow, God was the first farmer. He planted the Garden of Eden. So, and he created me in his own image. And so, wow, could I then honor God through farming? 
And that's just what he did. And um, he actually started, the government was handing out to farmers of Rwanda a hybrid form of maize and asking them to plant that. He did that. Um, the team also taught him farming God's way. So he mulched and he prayed and he worked hard. And he reaped a bumper crop that was just hundredfold. And um, his church is watching. He's discipling them um, in seeing what God can do in their own lives. Um, he's, he, um, was able to build a, a real home, a permanent house structure. He's able to buy a motorbike so that he could go to the churches that he was pastoring on a more regular basis to disciple there. God changed him. He's become one of 15 hybrid seed growers or producers for the country of Rwanda. And, so, and he's helping his churches. He's discipling them to say, look at we can work with our resources that God has already given us. We can plant good and better crops. We can earn money. We can build healthy homes, and we can follow Jesus as Savior and Lord in all areas of life. And so Ujidiwabo is just a beautiful example to me of someone whose relationship with himself was restored through a deepening walk with Jesus and whose relationship to stewarding his resources was also restored because of following Jesus in that way. Another example is um, Isaiah, another poor man in the village of Muyembe, right outside the area of Mbali, Uganda, where we lived for a decade. And we started in three communities bringing this whole life gospel of transformation in three communities. And our colleagues that are there now, our Ugandan brothers and sisters, are working in over 135 communities and seeing these life-changing things happen. And Isaiah is in one of these communities. Well, he was a very reclusive man, shy. Um, he actually had a disability that caused him such angst that he was ready to commit suicide. Um, and so when the, the MMM Uganda team came into their village, um, he was a little skeptical, but he heard they taught on agriculture, and he was an avid farmer. So he would go to the meetings, they befriended him, and they'd be sharing the gospel, and then they'd get into an innovation of farming, and boy, he liked that. But after a few meetings, he accepted Christ as his savior. And his life was really turned around. He joined a whole life discipleship group in the community where they studied the word. They helped each other build healthy homes. Um, they helped each other do income generating projects to earn some money to farm in better ways. And um, he said, well, you pray for me. I have this disability. They prayed. He was healed miraculously, went on to marry. He realized his whole clan that he had been kind of a you know, side member and needed Jesus. They were all pagans. And he really has essentially led his clan to the Lord. And in the meantime, he has um, gotten extra training and become a pastor. And a pastor of a church that is saving people, bringing people to Jesus, discipling them. And uh, they're generous givers. They're the most vibrant church in the whole region. And that is now Pastor Isaiah, who came from someone who, again, was broken in his relationship with God. Repented, received Jesus, and then also became um, just in his community, loved by his clan, leading them to, to Jesus. That, that is, the, what, I guess, what drives us and, and keeps us going, to see the power of the redemption of God's plan put into real life. And we love the passage Colossians 1, 19 and 20, that talks about the work that, that Jesus did in his life and his death on the cross and his resurrection. Um, it says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness to dwell in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in heaven or things on earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. 
that just think Jesus is reconciling again everything that sin and Satan broke back to the Father. And so, Joanne, that's what we're seeking to do with Whole Life Discipleship, following according to the plan of God's redemption of all areas of life. And when someone comes to Christ, they need to be discipled in every area of life because Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And everything we do, whether in word or deed, we want to do it all to the glory of God. Amen. Wow. Yes. And so we've got to hear... Mary Lee's stories and Gary's stories and uh, we and what Gary was saying earlier we all have stories which are God's stories and uh, we get to hear now from our brother our real true African practitioner David so welcome David we are so glad you're here And it's really fascinating, uh, we won't hear it all today, but how Berean, through Scott Countryman, our former um, missions pastor, uh, made a link with David um, and linked them with uh, Gary and Mary Lee. However, long before David had met the Hips, he was pastoring a church in his homeland of Ghana. And David has a pastor's heart. David loves to preach the word, word of God. But he also sees this other piece that is part of his burden as a servant of the gospel. And so, David, tell us your stories of how this whole life ministry is. You're seeing it with your eyes and your hands. Thank you, John. Um, uh, I became a Christian um, when I was in high school. Um, through um, Scripture Union, um, um, Bible study group. And um, after high school, I was trained as a civil engineer. And, and um, God's own wisdom, um, I happened to uh, go to Bible college in Germany and um, where I met uh, Lisa and Scott Countryman. And they were my professors in Bible school in Germany. And I had some training also in England. Then I returned to Ghana. And um, I was working in, in my church, and I was helping the church as missions pastor, and I was organizing evangelism in communities. Uh, then along the line, I, I got employed uh, with a Christian organization, and I was handling refugees, working with uh, Liberia and Togolese refugees in Ghana, and uh, we were doing relief and development, and with my background in civil engineering, uh, we were building schools, and we were building hospitals, and we were giving food, and we were doing many things physically to um, uh, these people, and up to a point that I was sent to the northern part of Ghana, uh, where uh, I work uh, solely on development, and um, in deprived communities among the poor, and uh, sometimes we cross rivers, and uh, we go to uh, build clinics and schools in these communities. But um, God started to speak to my heart uh, when uh, we build some of the schools, uh, you go to write um, a progressive report and you find out that uh, cattle, is, um, cattle are sleeping in the classrooms and human beings are not in the classrooms, defecating in the classrooms. And um, um, so I started preaching the gospel uh, Sundays I don't go to church I go to the villages and stand under trees and anybody that is passing they listen to me and they come to accept Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior 
and we were baptizing them, and uh, God was doing many things. Um, some were dying, and we were burying them. And um, um, Jane, my wife, was responsible for widows and orphans, and we were doing all these many things. But there came a time uh, we had conflict with our uh, organizational leadership, and they would say, David, we send you to do development, not evangelism. Um, don't take our motorbikes and our vehicles to this community to be helping doing all these things. Uh, so we started having problems, and I was at that time communicating with uh, Scott and Lisa countrymen, and when they became mission pastors in Berean, uh, so um, uh, God, bless, uh, God bless us through Berean, and um, they uh, introduced us to uh, Gary and Marilee Heap and, uh, and also Joe Fry, that they are people who are involved in holistic ministry. They can train you to do that. So 2002, um, they came to Ghana, and I was one of them. About 35 people recruited to be trained in holistic ministry in Ghana. And um, uh, we, we went through all this ministry, and I went back to my village and recruited a team to, to work with, and we started working in the villages. We go to the villages and to teach them um, how to do ministry holistically. And um, uh, through our ministry, we decided to invite those guys that we were working with earlier on in the northern part of Ghana, and they became Christians, and we were baptizing them to also have this training. And one of these guys is called Paul Tabi, and he is striving so much in doing holistic ministry in his community. And what he's doing is he's being able to mobilize his community, including his father, and even the chiefs in the community, and who were not even Christians, but now they are becoming Christians, they are believing in Jesus, and they are being baptized, and they are doing Bible studies in various homes in the community. And uh, one uh, uh, thing I want to highlight is about um, this very village, they don't have water, and they they travel long distances to look for springs of water or river to fetch. And that is the work of women carrying pans on their heads. Sometimes you see Africans doing this. And these women would travel miles looking for water. But um, God uh, told them they can have water right in their own doorstep. So they decided to mobilize the whole community and they dug a uh, well. It was so deep, but... Um, God gave them water through the rocks, and um, um, they were able to, uh, to build this uh, hand-dug well, and they were able to do about four in their community, and now the women have been relieved from looking for water, and they have water. And this tells me that Jesus said, uh, if you believe in me, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And water has been flowing to these people now in this community. They have the youth that they pray Every Friday, they fast and pray for the growth of their community, and development is going on. But one thing God used us also to do was uh, a guy who happened to be translating my language in the villages. He was not schooled, but we, Jane and I, we tried to help him, teach him how to read English. And this boy will follow me, and will go, and will be preaching, and he'll be interpreting. Sometimes I don't know even what he's saying. Uh, but I trust that he was saying the right thing, and, and, and people will be coming to Christ, and we'll be baptizing them, and we were planting churches, and Paul has continued this particular thing now, 
And I want to say also that as a missionary, you'll be working um, with people's worldview. And we had, we, we had certain worldview like you don't have to plant a tree. If you plant a tree, you're going to die when the tree germinates. And people refuse to plant trees. Meanwhile, they are cutting down God's trees in the environment and they are depleting the whole area. So we have to teach these people that if you plant a tree, you will never die. And they accepted. And Paul was able to plant a grafted mango in his backyard. And when they saw that this mango was coming up, the whole community came together and they said, we are now going to plant trees. And they are planting trees and nobody is dying. And this has made the people to accept the gospel. And they are believing that if this is true, then God is real. Then we can believe in, in, in God and he will help us. And God is helping them. And I tell you, Paul is full of this passion like me because I'm also full of this passion. I want to see our communities, rural communities grow, knowing that God can help them to become all that they can become. And they are growing holistically. And Paul is saying that this is what I want to do. And Paul had only three years of formal education. He's gone to secondary school now. He leaves his community and he goes to study. And he said, I want to go to school so that God can use me in this community. And other communities are looking at this and they are saying, Ah, come and help us. How can we be able to have water in our community? How can we be able to have sanitation? Things, sanitation, things they are doing, some of them are doing, um, 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 digging um, soccer ways. Previously, they bathed in their bathhouses and water came out and spread all over. Pigs will bath and people are dying of diarrhea. They are having malaria. We taught them how to do, about, how to do this and they would dig holes, fill it with a stone, cover it with sand. Water will drain into it. You don't see water spreading all over anymore. People are not dying of malaria anymore. And the hospital, the nearby hospital, which is about, about one, one hour drive away, they are asking why people from Kanimo are not coming to hospital. Then they are telling them that ah, something good is happening. So community health workers, they went to the, to, the, to the village asking them, and they are telling them, this is what we are doing. And now Kanimo has become like a shiny star in the whole area. And people are saying, ah, we want to be like you. And people are now learning how to do ministry holistically. And we also introduced this Bible storytelling uh, because a lot of the people have not been schooled and they cannot read and write. We tell them a story and Africans like stories. So we tell them how to, read, how to learn the Bible by memorizing stories. So as they are telling this, it's not, they are not literate, so they cannot quote the Bible. And within five minutes, they are, they are reciting about 15 Bible verses in stories. And this is how people are learning the Bible. And they, they, they are praying together. And they can meet in the Catholic Church or meet in Bible Church of Africa. And there is no uh, denominational barriers. Uh, all they do is about Jesus. It's not about anybody. It's not about any church. And I'm so glad God is using you because God really sent us there through you blessing us. Um, when um, Scott Countryman introduced us, Berean took the challenge and you have been supporting us and for us to be doing this for five to seven years now. 
And um, um, for me, I think um, the greater job has been done by you. And uh, I read about you. I read about the pastor. I read about all of you here. Um, I don't want to mention names. But today, my eyes have seen you. You are real people. (laughs) Yes, you are real people. And I can talk to you. I can see your faces. But this is what God has used you to do. God has blessed our ministry through you. You have sent us there. And look how all this is happening in these communities. But we have a passion. Our passion is, and I've been talking to um, Gary and Merrily, we want to see many, many of these guys who became Christians to learn how to do holistic ministry so that this ministry can continue in the villages and the rural areas. And we have seen some of the guys coming up. And we want you to be praying with us that these guys will continue to, to, to mentor and to disciple people holistically in these communities so that we will not be able to say that we are doing two jobs because this is a lifestyle uh, for us. It is just God showing his love through us holistically to people. We build relationships. We are living with them, and they are becoming Christians, and they are looking to how they can be, they can live for God holistically. Let me tell you, I want... I shouldn't forget this. There is one particular church. They believe that if you are a Christian, God will heal you. You don't need to go to hospital. And you see a lot of people camping there. This one guy we trained, and he went back to this church and taught them how to live holistically, telling them God has given us physicians. God has given us agriculturalists. God has given us all these people that you, if you are a Christian, you need to talk about farming. It's not separated from um, our spiritual issues. And the pastor's wife was suffering from tuberculosis. And she was going to die. She was growing thinner and thinner. And she became part of this team. And now she has changed her mind. And she went to hospital. And she was treated. She was put on six-month drug on TB. And this woman is healed now. And she's plumpy. She's happy. We, I went to the church, I saw this woman dancing, and she was praising God. And, 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 and these are some of the things God is doing. So I want to say that um, in missions, we have a lot of worldview to, 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 to handle. And sometimes when we send the gospel, we need to send the gospel holistically so that people's worldview can be changed, or else they will be accepting Christ in such worldview, and they will still live in, 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 in captivity. But God sent Jesus that um, we will be liberated, we will be set free from every bondage, spiritual bondage, physical bondage, and, and, and everything. And so that we feel free, even here on earth, that we can, we can be whole in all things. Not one day when we will go to heaven. But here on earth, God wants us to be happy. God wants us to have good food. God wants us to improve our agriculture. God wants us to improve in health. God wants us to improve in everything, in all areas of life. And I think this is what I have my passion. I have passion to do. And leading many people in Ghana. And now God has blessed me. And I'm working in Nigeria with a team. Working in northern, northeastern part of Nigeria. And we are doing all these things. And we are doing this not because of who we are but because of who Jesus is and because Jesus has people like you 
who can support us, who can partner with us to be doing this in the world and in our generation that God has given us. We want to thank you very much, Berean Baptist Church. Um, we love you, and um, thank you for praying for us. I had, we, Jane and I, we had one challenge last year. Um, last year, we, we have two daughters, but last year, our first daughter, Priscilla, who was in the university going to graduate this year, May, uh, uh, died. And um, um, I think life is complicated. Uh, um, she died of um, something that I cannot tell. But that is what happened. Um, but uh, we thank you that um, uh, I want to use this opportunity to thank you because Scott Countryman came to Ghana. He came to the funeral. He preached at the funeral. And within a short time, of five days, countryman flew to Ghana, and, and the countryman preached at the funeral of our late daughter. And I think this was by you. You have sent him, and you are doing all these things. And we praise God for you. Thank you so much for what you are doing. The seed that you are sowing, I am one of the fruits. And there are many fruits behind there. You are not seeing them today, but one day, God will reveal them to you in glory. Thank you so much. David has thanked us for praying. I hope we all go home with a burden to pray. He asked that we would pray that they can raise up a whole new army of developers, discipling developers. Thank you, David. We appreciate your presence today. Gary, tell us the so what for us right now. I was enjoying watching uh, Joanne like Katie Couric, trying to figure out, what do I do if we're going over? And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you the evil eye. <laughs> uh, Scott Purser, are you out there? Raise your hand if you're out there. He might be out at our booth. Uh, in November, uh, I was in Nigeria. Scott also leads a team in Nigeria. We've been going there three times a year for uh, going back about eight or nine years. And uh, Somebody said, what's Nigeria like? And I said, well, I can give you at least five ways you can die on a trip there. Uh, and uh, it's not an easy place to minister. And we minister primarily in the north where a lot of the Muslim uh, Christian conflict is. So I was laying down one night and uh, I'd finished my John Grisham novel, which was the way that I was kind of unwinding at the end of a day. And uh, the book that I picked up at that point was called Radical by David Platt. I don't know if any of you have read it, but I went about a chapter into it, and I said, oh, Lord, we can't have this conversation now. It's just uh, I got enough on my mind with Nigeria here. Uh, and I, so I, I stopped reading the book at that point, went home, and uh, on Ash Wednesday, uh, God just put it in my heart and said, okay, I need you to finish the book now. And so Marilee and I started reading through that. And uh, in many ways, it's, uh, it's like books that uh, those from my generation read in our 20s and 30s, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, The Normal Christian Life uh, by Watchman Nee, which describes a very radical Christian life, but it's supposed to be normal. And uh, 
So I'm, I'm working my way through this on the way up to Easter, and I'm going, God, I'm 60 years old. I think I've been radical enough my life. Don't you? <laughs> Shouldn't have said don't you. And uh, <laughs> at that point, he very quickly brought the verse to mind, uh, uh, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. And uh, for you young folks that have denied yourself some food for the last uh, 30 hours, let me really encourage you that you leave today and make denial, picking up your cross, and following Jesus a daily practice. That's what we're called to. The life that we have been called to has always been radical. And, and uh, the subtitle of this, which uh, is a little bit more disturbing, is uh, Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream. And uh, for uh, me, uh, I struggle watching David's daughter die from something that would not have been a problem at all in the United States. And so, you know, I ask, well, why was David born there and I was born here? And, uh, but God said, I'm giving you gifts, I'm giving you resources, and I want you to spend them for my people, for, the, for the, the people that don't have those resources. And my call is no different from your call. That's what your call is as well. Uh, Berean has provided so many opportunities uh, out in the hallways and with, uh, with the partners that they have. Uh, there are many ways for you to respond today to reaching out and being a whole life discipler. Let me just uh, encourage you don't go away without, uh, without responding. God has said something to you today. You don't have to have it all figured out. Take a step of faith and, and move towards the radical that is the normal Christian life. Roger comes to uh, pray for these dear friends. Um, let's just thank them one more time. Don't tell the world about this. Don't tell the government about this. There is a vast Holy Spirit conspiracy that is global. And it's been global ever since the church was born. And it functions without tax dollars. It functions without a lot of publicity. But God has his people everywhere in the world. And they are not narrow-minded Selfish people with just a simple message, there are people that are changing the world for him. You get to sample that today, and you've heard about that today. These are thoughtful, highly prepared, deeply disciplined, sacrificial brothers and sisters, and we are privileged to support them and send them and pray for them. I hope you are involved in some way by giving or praying or preparing yourself to go, but we want to thank the Lord for his servants that we particularly have partnerships with, so bow with me in a word of prayer, will you please? Father, we thank you for the way you've enriched our lives today by reminding us that there's a vast world out there beyond our comforts, beyond the things you provided. Lord, how we thank you for all that we have been given, but we pray now today, Lord, that you will give our love and your support and, and your strength to our missionary partners. We thank you for these three who have shared their lives with us today. Father, we thank you for the privilege to, to partner with you in the greatest work in the world, how ennobling that is, how motivating that is. 
how cleansing and purifying that is to our lifestyles. And Lord, I pray that today there would be clear sacrifices made by each one of us, clear decisions made, that we will live differently because we are involved in this as the living church. Father, thank you for these partners, for their testimonies, for the way you've prepared them and gifted them, and we thank you for their giving to us today. And We ask your blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.